The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. A geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. What's up and welcome in another edition of Hardwood Handicappers. Appreciate you taking some time to join me today. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, your host. A uh, quick apology. Last week, did not have an episode moving. All these other responsibilities that I had, had to push the episode aside. And since we last spoke, we do have an NBA Finals champion. The Milwaukee Bucks take out the Phoenix Suns 105-98 Game 6. Giannis Antetokounmpo gets his first title. And we won't spend a lot of time on what happened a couple of days ago. It's really cool that the Bucks won it. I'm a big Giannis Antetokounmpo fan. I think he's a likable dude. And when you look at everything put together with Mike Budenholzer, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, it's a pretty good story that the Milwaukee Bucks have won an NBA title. But we're going to have a lot on tap today. We're going to take a look at the future of both Phoenix and Milwaukee. We have future odds up for next season already. It starts in October. Never too early to look. Uh, also, well, a full-on Olympics preview. Olympics? Olympics preview for you. A um, couple of teams that I really like. I think there's, there might be one more shot of value left on the board. There was a, one book that fell asleep in terms of some of their future odds a couple of weeks ago. Gave it Australia at 20-1 to 1 when I was on Follow the Money about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. That has since been adjusted to about 7 to one seven fifty. But we'll get to that coming up in a moment. But let's talk about the future of the two finals participants. And I want to start with the NBA Finals champions because that's where we should. Milwaukee does a phenomenal job of winning this title. And now we look toward the future and a potential repeat. And I don't think it is hyperbole at all to say that Milwaukee has the clearer path back to the finals, right? They have some payroll issues to manage. But to get back to the NBA finals in one year, I don't think it's out of this world to think that the Bucks 
could totally do so. Now, some of the payroll issues that they got to talk about, right? P.J. Tucker, for example, is going to be a free agent. Jeff Teague as well. The team has Tucker's bird rights, so they can resign him and it won't be a problem. Uh, Jeff Teague is going to be another question of whether they even want him or not. But the gymnastics that they will have to perform to fix up the salary cap is going to be really interesting. Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes have player options. You would expect both of them to exercise them. More so Bobby Portis, 100%. Not sure about Bryn Forbes, but more often than not in these situations, you see the player exercise the option to go look for money elsewhere. But with Bobby Portis, I mean, look, according to Hoops Hype, great website that covers a lot of this stuff, uh, the most Milwaukee can offer a guy like Forbes, $2.8 billion on a non-bird amount. He should probably beat that on the market. Bobby Portis, non-bird amount, $4.3 million. He should beat that on the market too. So maybe you get him to take a little bit of a cut to come back and run this thing back. He was a massive role player for them. So figuring that out and bringing back a Bobby Portis, bringing back a Bryn Forbes to kind of roll this back together is going to be pretty fascinating to see what the Milwaukee Bucks are going to do. The contracts, think about this. The contracts of Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday have over, get this, $104 million, $104,978,303 million in 2021-2022. That's what they owe those three. Those three, they're going to have them over the luxury tax next season. And if you bring back Bobby Portis, you're talking about a front office that could be on the hook for $41 million plus in luxury taxes. But that's the price you pay for competing. You got an NBA Finals out of it. Now go get another one. Step on the throat. Do what you need to do as a franchise to keep this thing together and go forward at a potential repeat. And this is the more manageable path, right? Of the two teams and of the two participants, the conference, way more manageable at this point right now for the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Clearly the second best team in the Eastern Conference at this point. Consensus market price, we'll call it 850 on the Milwaukee Bucks. You can get them in the range of 9 to 1. Depends on where you shop. FanDuel, DraftKings. BetMGM, Westgate Superbook, or actually just Superbook Sports in general now. Um, all of those shops, you can shop around, but the consensus seems to be Milwaukee in the range of about 9-1, to one, the third choice on the board behind the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers. It just makes sense, especially if Damian Lillard does not become a Philadelphia 76er. If everything stands pat with the rest of these teams, in a best-of-seven series, Milwaukee should likely be favored if everything is you know put together at this point right now. And, of course, if they have home court, and they'll probably be a small underdog to the Brooklyn Nets. I, I think that'd be a fascinating matchup. Both teams fully healthy. Yet again, I know what happened to the first two games, but we also saw the Milwaukee Bucks lose the first two games in pretty big fashion to the Phoenix Suns and take care of business for the rest of that series. So never over after two games. But the path is clearly much more manageable. And yes, the teams in the Eastern Conference below them could get better. But if you just look, so if you just look at the, the futures odds, right? This is just from DraftKings, but generally you find these consensus wide to be the order. Brooklyn Nets, then it goes Lakers, then Bucks, then after that, count with me the Eastern Conference teams, Warriors, Suns, Jazz, Clippers, 76ers, Nuggets, Mavericks, and then the Hawks, right? So it's clear that there is a line of demarcation in the Eastern Conference if everything stands pat, which we don't really expect that to happen, right? The Miami Heat, you would think, would potentially be looking to make some sort of move here. They're, of course, already in the running. Rumors are that they will make a push for a Kawhi Leonard. Who knows if that changes with Kawhi Leonard coming off of an ACL injury and not being available until after the All-Star break, more than likely. You have the Atlanta Hawks, who are at 35-1, which we should be honest with the run that they had and the way that they got there. And more than likely, not going to be an Eastern Conference power, probably a regular participant in the postseason. But if you're talking about being a threat to Milwaukee or Brooklyn, I mean... I, what's the I have a bridge to sell here, whatever it is. 
the Atlanta Hawks aren't going to be a true threat. A team like the Boston Celtics, you know, I have found intriguing mainly because I think they have a piece that would tempt a Portland Trailblazers to ship over Damian Lillard. But does Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum with that core scare you in terms of thrusting themselves into the top three of the Eastern Conference? I'm not entirely sure that is the case. So we know that the path for Milwaukee is a lot safer in terms of making it back to an NBA Finals, potentially repeating, potentially getting another one of these. But as far as the Phoenix Suns go, look, outside of the path, which we'll get to in a moment, the offseason begins with re-signing Chris Paul. He's got a player option worth $44.2 million, and if he exercises that, the Suns can tack on two more years, like $96 million or whatever it is. More than likely, though, we're going to see him opt out. He's going to sign for about three years at a cheaper price, especially at the front. But, like... Do the Suns want to invest three years, right? Especially if it's going to be exercise player option, tack on two years. Are the Suns going to want to invest, you know, $44 million plus dollars, right? Three years of a guy who's going to be 39 by the end of it. Don't think so. And it's been reported by Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report that Paul is going to decline the option and go with that route. So you'd expect that that is going to be the case. Again, just like with any of these other guys, right? Kawhi Leonard, uh, Chris Paul, decline the option, send a representative to meet with any other teams, right? The Dallas Mavericks and the New York Knicks could offer Chris Paul near max money, and maybe that's tempting to him. Maybe playing with Luka Doncic is somewhat tempting, staying in the conference, but going to play with a guy like Luka, don't know if that really works. Two extremely ball-dominant dudes playing with one another. And I'm sorry, but Chris Paul is not tipping the scales for the New York Knicks in the Eastern Conference to make them compete with the likes of the Brooklyn Nets or the Milwaukee Bucks, or even the Philadelphia 76ers for that matter. So don't really think that's going to be the case. That the best option for Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns, or for Chris Paul, is going to be remain with the Phoenix Suns. So with that in mind, the Suns also just do have some other things to address here with their roster, right? Campaign is a free agent. Remember Dario Saric, likely out all season this coming year. With that knee injury, they desperately need a secondary big that they can trust. Not Kaminsky, who, by the way, is one of many free agents in terms of their depth. Torrey Craig, Frank Kaminsky, each one more, Abdel Nader, all off of the payroll after this season. Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton up for contract extensions, but those don't really matter, right, in terms of the payroll and the team construction this year. So there are a lot of questions for Phoenix to answer as well in terms of their roster construction. How do they add to this depth that they kind of lacked, especially as this went along and they suffered injuries of their own? You would think Torrey Craig, who served them very well, right, was with Milwaukee for a little bit at the beginning of this year, but is a solid defensive wing, can shoot the three relatively well. Right? Not a sharpshooter by any stretch, but can still space the floor and can be a primary defender in certain lineups. You'd think he would be back. I'm not sure about Kaminsky. Maybe you need like that third, you know, third tertiary big and you know, eating up some regular season minutes and starts, but they do need a backup big man that they can trust on this roster. They do need more depth at guard, especially with so many guys in that backcourt becoming a free agent. So campaign will probably get like ten million dollars or so. But the Suns have their own issues to keep track of in terms of constructing this. And then you're talking about the Western Conference as a whole. Again, this is not to take away from the run that the Suns just had, but they're not going to have another playoff run in which they avoid Anthony Davis, Jamal Murray, and Kawhi Leonard, right? Then you factor in, well, Utah's still pretty good. Probably going to roll that thing back for a majority of what you're seeing in terms of roster construction. The Warriors are going to have the Splash Brothers back together as well. Phoenix is the fourth choice on some odds boards, right? Because, again, we roll through those future odds courtesy of DraftKings. Fourth, excuse me, fifth behind. Well, actually, we'll call it tied for fourth because him, they and the Golden State Warriors have the same odds at 13-1. to 1. 
I will tell you this right now. The Phoenix Suns should not have better title odds than a team like the Utah Jazz. Hell, I'll throw in the Denver Nuggets. They should probably be more in the range of about 20 to 1 or so, right? Equivalent with a team like Denver or Dallas or... Yeah, somewhere in that range would be safe. I just don't think when you look at this overall, when you're talking about getting to the NBA Finals, Kawhi Leonard, you would expect, again, if he stays with the Los Angeles Clippers, back after the All-Star break, we'll call it March, maybe April, gets two weeks under his belt to get you know whatever it is, if the Clippers are going to be a playoff team, the Denver Nuggets, don't know what that's going to look like. Jamal Murray's timetable is really tight with the postseason. Maybe he comes back in time for the NBA playoffs. Then we still have the issue of the Los Angeles Lakers retooling it, being fully healthy, what the Warriors are going to look like. The path is not going to look anyone like it did this time around. And so now you're talking about, yeah, at the beginning of the year, you could have gotten some really meaty double-digit odds on them. But right now, to tell me that they have the fourth-best odds to win a title coming into next year, that is a cheap price that better should probably not invest in at 13-1 to at this point of the calendar, right? So as you look at it now, you totally understand a path for the Milwaukee Bucks to get back to that point. But for the Phoenix Suns, it's why a loss like that sucks. And look, there are some... Trust me, this is just this is a sports betting podcast. We can talk about the overall future of the Milwaukee Bucks in terms of like two, three years down the road because their contracts and their payroll gets really dicey in like two years. But regardless, we're talking about this next year when you look at the odds. The Nets deserve to be the favorite. Fully healthy, I think the Nets do win the title, but not going to invest at 2-1, to 250 at this point of the calendar. It's going to be sitting there all year long. Go ahead and grab that before the postseason starts or just sit back and avoid it because you probably should be getting more than likely 350 somewhere in that range for the Brooklyn Nets. But regardless, the Nets should be the favorites. We'll see what the Lakers do because they have a lot of free agents and a lot of depth to re-sign as well. But it's not out of this world to think that the Milwaukee Bucks make it back to this stage yet again. Now, will they win it? Don't know. But it's not crazy to think that the Bucks have one more left in them in terms of making an appearance in the NBA Finals. All right, speaking of winning gold, the Olympics right around the corner. Basketball gets started over the weekend. We're going to see the Olympians. Um, I shouldn't even say... Yeah, we'll see the Olympians. Yeah, we'll see the Americans start uh, on Sunday. Oh, dude, this is it's a Matt Eumann special. All these games starting 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's going to be great to watch them. But uh, the Americans, the odds-on favorite, will give you a full-on Olympics preview. And I'll tell you this, the Australians, watch out, baby. They're live. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast, only on the VSIN Podcast Network. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the Olympics are already underway. And then that was a weird thing. So I saw a schedule. I guess the opening ceremonies are on Friday, but we saw the U.S. women already lose in terms of soccer to Sweden the other day. So the Olympics are underway in terms of the games and the events, uh, but the opening ceremonies do not begin until Friday. So maybe some of you are listening and the Olympic ceremonies have already begun, whatever it is. The Olympics are upon us. Now, basketball preview. We are going to get this thing started for the... Uh, basketball side of things in the Olympics on Saturday. Looks like about 6 p.m. Pacific time we get our first game, Iran versus the Czech Republic. Uh, the meaty game, the real game worth watching, is going to tip off at about 1.20 a.m. Pacific time. Looks like 3.20, uh, no, 4.20 for those of you on the East Coast. Australia and Nigeria, uh, two teams that I have actually futures on to win gold here. And those were one, one of them I really like. You know, if, if, you had, if you have listened to any of my content or watched anything in terms of my appearances on the Vegas Stats and Information Network, you saw on Follow the Money, one of the days that I filled in, gave out Australia 20-1 to 1 to win gold. That was over at William Hill. It looked like Will Hill had fallen asleep a little bit on some of the future odds because they were high on two teams specifically. It was the Boomers of Australia and it was the Tigers of Nigeria. Um... Boomers were at 20 to 1. Nigeria was at 100 to 1 when Nigeria was still in the range of like 30 to 1 or so. So I've got Nigeria at 100 to 1. Don't really necessarily think the Nigerians will be winning gold. It was more of a value grab than anything else. And we'll get to their team specifically. But those are the two futures I hold going in to the Olympics Australia 20 to 1, Nigeria at 100 to 1, both at William Hill. Oh, look at this. Do we keep it in? Now I'll decide, whatever it is. So regardless, let's take a look at this, and we'll go team by team. We'll start to group teams together when we get to, like, the longer shots. Uh, but let's start with the Americans, because uh, Team USA, we did get news that Zach Levine is going to make the trip, so he is going to be available sooner rather than later. Small COVID scare. Unlike Bradley Beal, we will see him in an American uniform. Bradley Beal, no longer with the team, period, is not going to be able to play. Something with the vaccines and the differences there, so 
I, you know, everything with these rules, I'm out in terms of knowing why or why not. I just know that Zach Levine is going to miss the beginning of the tournament, potentially, and he will be available at some point. We know that Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday on their way to Tokyo, too. And there's going to be some adjustment for these guys, just like there was an adjustment for the Americans, right? You know, if you're looking at the odds to win the gold medal right now across the board, and they should be, um, the Americans are the favorite to win gold. DraftKings has, uh, let's see, as of a couple of days, okay, so still the same. Minus 320. Jesus. My wife's iPad is in here, and her little brother is just blowing up her phone, huh? So you have the United States at minus 320 to win this thing. And I got a lot of, it's funny. So they lose to Nigeria, and they lose to Australia. And a couple, and like, when that happens, tweeted it out. Certain, like, hey, remember this day. Remember Twitter today when the Americans go on to win gold because uh, they should win gold, right? The odds reflect it. If you're looking at that $3 price tag, right? And uh, the odds have steadily been dropping too, whether it has to do with the roster a little bit, whether it has to do with perception and action in the market, still at 76.2% implied probability. If that starts to get below that $3 price tag, uh, I will be um, finding, I'll find myself invested in the Americans. But Let's talk about what we have seen from this team up to this point because there is a lot to like about this team, right? If you look at what you're seeing from this starting lineup, Damian Lillard, and look, Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, these guys are elite and dangerous scorers. You have Draymond Green and, of course, Bam Adebayo, who have been you know trading time in terms of starting at center, and they provide really good defensive depth for them as well. Drew Holiday, dude, Drew Holiday and FIBA basketball is going to be absolutely phenomenal. And that is something, and I want to tie in the changes for this tournament as well. Uh, Because when I talk about FIBA basketball, I think a lot of people don't realize how different FIBA basketball is, right, international basketball, than NBA hoops. And yes, we're going to get the NBA soft, uh, whatever. Like, get that out of here. It's not part of the conversation at this point, but FIBA hoops is different. Physicality in terms of play, way, way, way more physical. Right, I put it this way in the preview of Avisan.com and Point Spread Weekly. As long as you're not like winding up to just karate chop out of somebody, then you're going to be fine in terms of the physical nature of play. You know, jersey grabbing, little things like that are actually a little bit more accepted. You'll see that. Touch fouls, no more. But there's also different rules, right? You can plant yourself within the paint. There's no goaltending. You can snatch again. You can snatch a ball off the rim if it's available to you. So. Those are the little changes that these guys, I think, have some getting used to. We saw the clip of Kevin Love pump faking and trying to draw a defender off. He did. He jumps into him. No call. Bradley Beal looking wild-eyed at an official because he got a little contact with the defender. Not going to get called. And you saw as the Americans played their friendlies, they were getting a little bit more used to that. And in the game against Spain, which for those who didn't see it, they looked masterful in the second half. And you saw a little bit at the end of the second quarter once they got used to the physicality and once they realized, like, okay, like, this is how I can play, sure. Then you saw the United States really start to take form. They're going to switch everything defensively, and that leaves some problems. Damian Lillard got hunted a little bit by Spain, especially when he got switched. They were running some, like, 1-5 pick-and-roll stuff to get him on a big, and he was getting a little – he's getting beat up a little bit. When they switched that up and they uh, took Damian Lillard off the floor and all of a sudden the smallest guy they could go to was a Jason Tatum – then that provided a little bit more challenge for Spain in terms of hunting mismatches like that. Because while Tatum is small, he's nowhere near as slight as Damian Lillard, and he is a better defender than Lillard is. But this defense is going to switch everything. They're going to get out and run, 
And the one observation, which is going to be pretty big as you head into this, their ability to space the floor. They spaced Spain out so well where there were so many times where you would see a bullet pass into the low block, which would then get somebody to come in and help help defend. And all of a sudden, the ball was ping-ponging around the court, setting up guys and open shooters, and they were hitting them. They were having trouble hitting open shots in the first half, but once those open shots started going down in the second half, you saw a completely different team. This is going to be a team that is going to be quick, solid defensively, and with the ability to shoot the floor or shoot the ball, they should be on their way to, at the very least, the gold medal game, depending on who their opponent's going to be when it comes to the draw of the knockout stages. So I wouldn't really be worried about the United States. Their biggest threat, though, is totally Australia. And obviously reflected by the odds, Australia plus 750, second choice on the board. They rightfully should be. By the way, I found out that boomers, so maybe this is, this is inappropriate and stereotypical, like I am stereotyping. I thought boomers was short for boomerang. It is slang for adult male kangaroos. Didn't know that. But they're the biggest threat to the USA. Six NBA players on the roster. They got shooting and they got defense, man. Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, Matisse Thibel, Aaron Baines. Notable names that you'll recognize there. Josh Green, rookie for Dallas, who had an eh year. We'll see if he gets better. Dante Exum's on this team as well. When he is healthy, he's a rangy defender who can guard multiple positions. And Jock Landell here to provide some support down low as well. 41 games for Melbourne in the NBL. 16.4 points. 54.5% shooting from the floor. He's also improved as a shooter, too, by the way. 38.9% on 3.6 three-point attempts per game in the NBL. So Landell's going to be a force inside and outside for Australia. I like this team a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. They should be... I mean, it should be. They are the second-best team, in my mind, in the pack. And they make it out of the group stage, and they move on to the knockout stage. You're going to see a pretty dangerous team when it comes to the Olympic, the Australians, especially when it comes to a favorable draw in the knockout stages, right? And you should note, too, for those who don't know, three groups in the Olympics. Group A, Iran, France, USA, Czech Republic. Top two teams should be USA and France in that order. Don't know if you're going to get a third-place team out of there because the way it works, top two teams from each group will make it on to the knockout stage, and then you get the next two best third-place teams. Group B, Australia, Germany, uh, Germany, Italy, and Nigeria. And then Group C, you get Argentina, Japan, Spain, and Slovenia. So it's going to be pretty fascinating to see who the other third-place team uh, will be. You'd expect USA and France to make it out of Group A, whatever order you want. would expect that Australia and Nigeria would be the two out of Group B. And then Spain and Slovenia, I would probably expect to make it out of Group C. And then you get your third-place teams, which would likely be Argentina and then either Czech Republic or Italy. But regardless, that's how this works. So again, top two teams from each group, and then two third-place teams will make it to the next round. The knockout round is decided by a draw. and Not decided. The seeding is decided by a draw. So there is no you know, tiebreaker to decide seeding, anything like that. Once you make it to the next round, they will draw the bracket, and then you go and you play knockout hoops from their regular tournament style. So as we move along for a lot of these teams, love Australia. Absolutely love Australia. Think they're going to be really live. Obviously really love the price that I got them at. One of the teams that I'm going to be looking to play against here, especially against the quality competition, not so much the crappy competition, but when you're talking about like their group game, for example, against Slovenia that's going to happen later in the group stage, Spain at 9-1 to is a little overpriced for me. And as you go back, look, La Roja, 
was once a basketball power. Totally get it. And they have, look, they won the FIBA Basketball World Cup back in 2019. But there's no question that the best days are behind them, right? Rudy Fernando, Sergio Rodriguez, Mark and Pau Gasol, still major role players for them. They're all 35 years of age or older. Pau Gasol is, I think, 41, 42. Ricky Rubio is the young gun in that starting crew, and he's, he turns 31 in October. He's my age. And look, there's plenty of talent. But you just, to me, it is hard to ignore how old this team is, right? And the gap between them and some of these young teams that are going to be playing for an Olympic gold medal. And some of the guys that you're going to be looking for, some of the youth, they're pretty good. Alberto Abalde is a massive 6'7 guard. He can shoot the lights out. He shot 42.6% for Real Madrid in 2020-2021 season. Uh, Usman Garuba is a 19-year-old NBA prospect, more than likely will be drafted while they're playing these games out in Tokyo. They've got size, they've got shooting, and most of all, they've got continuity, right? They can move the ball around. They know how to play with one another. Hell, it's the same team, for the most part, that played in the 2008 gold medal game. It gives you an idea of just how old this team is and how much they've been together. Like, that's really going to help. And the size and the ability to hunt mismatches like they were trying to do to Damian Lillard really helps, too. But they're being priced like they're the team of, like, the Spain of old. And they're old, but they're not the Spain of old. And I think that's going to be something that is going to be worth playing against, especially in quality competition, right? For example, they played the Americans in the friendly. Americans were laying eight and a half, nine at the close. The Americans got up by 13, 16 points throughout the game multiple times. But then, of course, they call it the dogs, pull guys, allow the youth to get in there. What is it again? Is like, I don't know what the term is for the, the guys that won't make the roster for Tokyo. Can't remember. But regardless, they pull out the starters and everybody else. And then Spain gets a three-point shot at the buzzer to get within that number. You saw the gap between the Americans and the Spaniards in that second half. And I think the Spain team is going to be power rated like a team that should be one of the best in the world. When in reality, they're not as good as they once were. Right? So you go from Spain at 9-1 to to Slovenia at 15-1. to And this is another team that is pretty overvalued, especially in the futures market. We'll see what the point spreads are going to be like. But at 15-1... to for Slovenia. And for those who don't know, Slovenia is the team for one Luka Doncic. That's the team that Luka Doncic led through the qualifying tournament and got them here. And so you're always going to get a price on this kind of a team because they have a star like this that is shorter than it should be. And a lot of people would think like, hey man, Luka Doncic, they got a chance. Here's the thing though. So they run through their Olympic qualifying tournament. The one speed bump along the way was Lithuania, and that was a closely contested game. Really, really fun game. Actually, it was on 4th of July. But in that contest, Doncic had to play 33 minutes. He scored 31 points on 56% shooting. He had 13 assists and 11 rebounds. Now, it's a usual Luka Doncic stat line. But he's going to have to do that now in every single game, especially against quality competition like Spain or Argentina, right, within his group. And if they move on to the knockout rounds, taking on the likes of Nigeria, Australia, America, France. That's just a really, really tough ask for such a long time for Luka Doncic to keep that up. And it's not just Doncic. We should really, like, I should really be fair. There's a lot of guys that are on this roster that are really quality players. And I am going to butcher some of their names, and I apologize. I did look up some pronunciations, but uh, Eastern European names are not my strong suit. But Mike Toby, some will know, the former Virginia Cavalier, uh, those college basketball fans, starting center for Slovenia, quality player, 9.6 points, 5 rebounds for Valencia in EuroLeague play last time out, put up 15.7.5 rebounds per game in the qualifying tournament. Jaka Blazic, solid shooter, 
Shot 46% on five and a half three-point attempts per game the most recent Euro Cup stint. And averaged 16.9 points for Sedavita Olympia in the ABA League. So he's a good shooter. Works, works really well next to Luka Doncic. But after that, there's not much depth. Goran Dragic, his brother, is on this team, but he's not as talented, not, not anywhere near the passer. I thought this team should be in more in the range of 25-ish to 1. Uh, definitely behind France, who we'll get to momentarily. But at 15 to 1, you need to, I think you need more for a team that is built this way with so many guys dependent on Luka Doncic. So we'll see if that is going to be the case. Uh, now, France, France is going to be really, really intriguing. 16 to 1 to win gold. I think this is the last little shot of value that is left on a futures board, potentially. Because I think that they are a team that is tailor made for FIBA basketball. Mention that you have centers, right, that you can plant in the paint. Works very well for Rudy Gobert. They're just going to plant Gobert in the middle, not give up anything in terms of dribble penetration. No three second violation works wonders for them. Of course, no goaltending either so that works for Rudy too he's going to be able to snatch so many shots off of the 10 not have a problem with it and then you actually have like legitimate perimeter defenders Evan Fournier Frank Nilekina Nilekina excuse me provide them with some dynamic defense at the point of attack if they're ever going to run into some quality pick and roll competition and Nick Batum as we saw pretty crafty man on the other on the defensive end of the floor especially you saw that at times in the postseason for the Los Angeles Clippers Timothy Luau Cabarro adds some Depth on defense as well. He's a solid shooter too. So there's like a lot to like here, I think, about this French team defensively. And I think they're tailor-made defensively for FIBA basketball. The problem is, and I texted with Jeff Sherman about this at the Westgate Superbook, and he, he agreed with me, it's, it's going to be a team that I think is going to lack some continuity on offense, right? They, they have shooters, right? But Nick Batum is a good shooter. Evan Fournier, solid shooter. Rudy Gobert, lob threat as well in pick and rolls. But, like, the, the glaring weakness to me when you evaluate the roster is point guard for the French. Le Bleu. Nilakina, obviously we know that he has struggles as a ball handler and as a point, uh, as a point guard on offense. Andrew Albisi is this team's best option to run the offense, but he only averaged 7.8 points and four assists in Liga ACB play this past season. And the big problem with him at 5'10", especially against some of these bigger teams at bigger backcourts, he's going to get swallowed up like crazy. And so that's going to be a problem for them. And so while the defensive style for France is going to pair really well with the style in terms of rules that we're going to see out there, I just don't know if their offense is enough to really carry them, right, and push them past to the point that they're going to win gold. Now, getting winning their group, right, again, when you look at their group or getting second in their group, just getting on, which is USA and France, uh, Iran and the Czech Republic, they're going to make it to the knockout stages. And who knows? Maybe the draw is perfect for them, and they get a wonderful path to a gold medal game. Defensively, they have the pieces to do it. But ultimately, what is going to keep them from, I think, ultimately winning gold is going to be an offense that is going to look pretty stagnant at times. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me, JVT, at Roach underscore 97, and at VSIN Live. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. 
the perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll wrap this up with the, the rest of the field here. So Nigeria and Argentina are, are the most likely long shots to make something happen here. And I, and I think Nigeria is at the top of that list. Uh, the Tigers of Nigeria, they're going to get a lot of attention, right, because of what they did in terms of beating Team USA in a friendly. Now, a lot of people are going to notice that they were then crushed by 39 points by an Australian team resting four starters. But Nigeria does have some really quality athletes. Seven NBA players are on the roster. I think they do have some limitations offensively, right? They went 20-42 against the Americans shooting-wise. They went 8-31 against the Australians. They are somewhere in between there, obviously. I don't know if they're a great shooting team, though. But look, Precious Achua, Chemezi Medu, Josh Okoge, like they're going to be a scrappy defensive team. They have tons of athletes. They're going to be able to get up and down the floor. They're going to be able to score in transition. They're going to be a nightmare to score on too because they have a lot of good, solid individual defenders as well. They were 100-1 to over at William Hill, took some of that. But 30-1, I think more like 40-50-1 to to is probably a fairer price on Nigeria, just again given their limitations. And they just need, like they need a really, really favorable draw. Like, we're talking, like, get a first-round matchup against Argentina, 
find somehow get France in like that second round and then make it to a gold medal. Right. And the France thing is only because, again, two teams limited offensively. The French would be favored in that matchup. But that's a that's a winnable game for the Nigerians only with the ability to defend and get out and score. So like it would have to be a really favorable break for the Nigerians. And as for Argentina, look, I just don't think there's much to like about this team in the big picture. Luis Scola is still playing 20 minutes per game. Facundo Campazzo is a major role player. Luca Vildoza is a decent shooter, but he's only hit 35.9% of his three-point attempts his international career. Marcos De Leia is a quality big man, he's, but he's like a traditional big man, right? Doesn't offer anything in terms of stretching the floor. It's going to be fun to see Scola play basketball for a little bit, but just don't think Argentina, like you talk about more favorable odds for Nigeria being the range of like 30, 40, or excuse me, a 40, 50 ish to one. I think Argentina should be more in the range of like 60 to one or so. So at 35 to one, should be no temptation whatsoever. And then you get to the rest of these teams. Like, I'm sorry, but the Italy, the Czech Republic, Germany, Japan, and Iran, uh, no shot in my mind. Italy not worth investing in at 40 to one. There's a smattering of players for the Italians, right? Nico Melli, uh, Nicola Melli, excuse me, Dylan, uh, Danilo Gallinari, and Nico Mannion make up a part of the core for the Italian squad. They're going to have some good showings. They could be one of those third-place teams as well. You look at the Czechs, uh, the Czech Republic team, Tomas Sedoransky is a name that you would recognize, really solid and quality player. Should have some sneaky, solid, competitive stretches, the Czechs. And then Rui Hachimura is going to have his time for Japan. But I just think when you evaluate these rosters and when you look at all of them overall, there's no, it is not worth investing in in any way whatsoever. There is, there is no chance that any of these teams are going to get through any of the other teams that we have just spoken about in terms of winning a gold medal. So, look, ultimately, I think the Americans or the Australians are going to be the team that, that are going to win gold in this competition. Uh, they, I like both of those teams quite a bit. If we're getting under $3 in the range of like two seventy five for the Americans, count me in on a price like that. That's very much worse than investing in. But the Australians are very much... Very much the biggest threat in my mind to the Americans. And we should know, too, we do have lines out for these games, for these first ones that we're going to see. And uh, we do see small adjustments here and there. You know, the French, for example, were catching 14 in that range, depending on where you looked. It's down to 12 against the Americans in their first game of group play. A couple of these other contests that are worth a, you know, the Nigerian-Australian game is going to be pretty fascinating. You know, the two teams that I am relatively high on in terms of the depth, Right, and looking at those and, and seeing if Nigeria can stay within seven and a half points. In these totals, this is the other thing too. Again, you got to remember these games with the physical nature, with the ability to defend, all of these things. Plus four ten minute quarters. It is not twelve minute quarters. So you see really low totals on the board: one fifty two and a half, one fifty seven and a half. The higher scores on the board: one seventy one, one seventy seven, and one seventy seven and a half. One seventy one seems relatively high for a, for a game like Australia and Nigeria. Don't know if Nigeria has the scoring capabilities there. And Australia could potentially blow them out. Who knows? Or again, they took care of business against Nigeria with four of their starters resting. But it seems pretty high, as does the 177 here for USA and France. If they're going over that, the the, uh, the Americans are covering a number like 12 because they're able to get up and down the floor. But the French, again, being able to kind of slow this game down and being able to plant Rudy Gobert in the middle, some of those games are going to be pretty low scoring. And the more intriguing one, Slovenia and Argentina. Slovenia and the Doncic's five-and-a-half-point favorite with a total of 177.5. Probably not a lot of defense getting played in that game. That deserves to have the highest total on the board. 
So this will be fun. We're going to keep up the Olympic coverage throughout the week over on vcin.com. You can go to vcin.com slash JVT. Check that out. Like, rate, review, subscribe as well. Uh, next week, we will have a draft preview earlier in the week. Looking to add, um, get some guests as well to start looking at the NBA draft. It's available in some of your markets. doesn't sound like it's going to be available uh, in the uh, Nevada market, but there's quite a bit up for a lot of you people out there in jurisdictions like Colorado and New Jersey. So with that, appreciate the time. Thank you very much. And we will see you in a couple of days here at Hardwood Handicappers. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, Every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.